0: When it comes to soil amendments, charcoal is probably not the first one that comes to mind. But if you think of it, it is carbon. Carbon that's been locked up, much in the same way coal is carbon perfectly sequestered. As long as you don't burn it, that is. And since we're talking about soil amendments here, we definitely don't want to burn it. We want that carbon to go down, not up. Now we just need to figure out how to unlock that carbon and feed those hungry little soil microbes that feed us. I'm Derek Leahy, and in this episode of Rural Roots to Climate Solutions, we're looking at biochar. So our topic of conversation in this episode is one of those ones that might seem at first glance like a bit of a stretch for our what's good for the climate is good for the farm podcast message. The first time I heard about biochar was at the second field day Rural Roots to Climate Solutions ever did. And that was way back in 2018. It was at Little Lowe's Farm in Sundry. I remember at that field day, some of the participants were discussing biochar. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh, that's a real tricky one. The whole concept of burning something, especially trees, to create a soil amendment that could also assist with soil carbon sequestration seemed like one would just cancel out the other. I should make this clear, that's not how making biochar actually works. The key piece that I missed back then, and the key piece that Rob Lavoie of Air Terra is going to discuss in this episode, is the production of biochar is done in the absence of oxygen, much like those anaerobic digesters. So it's not really burning anything, it's heating something up until it thermally decomposes into biochar. Now, how it works as a soil amendment is something I'm going to leave to Rob to explain. Although I
1: was born on a farm and have farmed uh, with my dad for a number of years, I I actually, my career is in petroleum engineering. That means I always benefit from discussions with people who know agriculture and forestry. I started in 1980 with Shell Canada, followed by six years at TC Energy, followed by 20 years of consulting, but I was focused a lot on uh, geological CO2 sequestration, enhanced oil recovery with carbon dioxide, and the oil and gas uh, reserves assessments uh, through my consulting career. As mentioned in my bio, I began working on enhanced oil recovery. I've now turned my attention to enhanced soil recovery, uh, which is a little bit of an interesting (laughs) twist. So this slide illustrates how carbon is currently captured in agriculture and forestry. The carbon cycle involves growing biomass, And then composting it back into soil. And most of that carbon is in the form of decompostable organics that eventually return to the atmosphere. The more we till and work the land and leave it exposed to oxygen, the faster the carbon oxidizes back into the atmosphere. Somewhere between 10 to 20% of annual human generated greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture and forestry. And now, having said this, I hope you don't take this as a finger pointing at you because. Uh, there are at least three or more fingers pointing back at me based on my life in the oil and gas industry. However, this, is, this presentation is focused on a rethink of this entire situation. So now, before I, be, I move on, I'd like to take a moment just to introduce what might be a new word to some folks, and that word is biochar. So, a biochar is a charcoal-like material made from biomass in a way that benefits soils and plants. There's nothing new about this material. Indigenous people on almost every continent have been producing charcoal for centuries and millennia. Archaeologists discovered that the Amazonians used it as a soil productivity enhancer in the tropical rainforest of Brazil over 2,000 years ago. And during the Second World War, Germany used the same technology to produce fuel for their military. So how is it made? It starts out as atmospheric CO2 that is naturally converted into plant material. We currently make use of residual forest industry wood as our feedstock and subject it to a high temperature in the near absence of oxygen, a chemical process known as pyrolysis. So another new word, but that's basically what it is, heating in the absence of oxygen. This drives off all of the volatile tars, oils, and hydrogen molecules in the form of a synthetic gas that leaves behind a fixed carbon that is highly resilient to decomposition when it's amended into soil. But fully 70% of the energy value of the original feedstock is driven off in the form of a synthetic gas, of which only 20% is needed to heat the process. Also, 50% of the carbon is driven off in the form of syngas as well.
0: Syngas is created during the process that creates biochar. Which, as we already know, involves burning biomass at high temperatures in the absence of oxygen. The syngas that's been produced can then be used as feedstocks for fuel.
1: For now, it's important to know that 50% of the original carbon is retained in the biochar. So now back to our, what I'm going to call my table of contents of this conversation. The radical rethink for establishing long-term carbon permanency in soils is to make use of biochar as a soil restructuring agent. We also believe that there is now economic value for amendments of biochar into the composting process to generate high-value agricultural soil amendments and several other products. Once biochar is amended into soils, there are now several international carbon credit protocols available to internalize its climate change mitigation value in addition to its agricultural value.
0: So that's Rob and the topic at hand. Now we're going to get into the who, why, where, what, when, and how of biochar.
1: Because biochar is a casting of the original woody biomass's cellular structure, there are three ways that biochar benefits soils. So physically, biochar has a high porosity that holds on to moisture and a high surface area that retains nutrients and a high carbon content that is resilient to decomposition, giving it permanency when amended into soils. Chemically. The high surface area has both positive and negative charges that hold on to ionized nutrients that are more plant-available. Biologically, because of the combination of its moisture and nutrient-saturated pores, it serves as a beneficial microbial habitat that also protects bacteria from predators and stimulates bacteria growth because of its electrical conductivity, which is needed by microbial bodies.
0: How exactly is something like biochar sequestering carbon? Well, similar to coal or oil that's been left in the ground, that carbon is locked up in biochar for quite a while. But what about sequestering soil carbon? I have to confess, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this one, but from what I understand, biochar acting like a sponge can pull carbon into the soil, carbon that may have been released as carbon dioxide when that plant dies.
1: So how is biochar used? Well, blending biochar into various forms of animal bedding, feed, compost, and also blending it in with organic and or chemical fertilizers works to retain nutrients to reduce required fertilizer inputs, enhance soil structure with carbon, and stimulate plant growth with beneficial soil microbes. One of the most informative research papers recently written on this topic. This was a meta-study of meta-studies on biochar's proven beneficial uses over the past couple decades. This paper compiles peer-reviewed research demonstrating improved soil conditions for plant productivity on several different parameters such as overall plant productivity, crop yield, photosynthetic rate, water use efficiency, root biomass and, and length, soil microbial biomass, bacteria abundance and fungi abundance and available nitrogen and phosphorus. So all of the bars that are heading towards the right indicate greater than zero benefit or a change to the, to the norm, to the controls. And you can also see the number of papers that were reviewed to arrive at these statistics. So 1,254 papers, 1,125, as you can see on this right-hand side. The bars leaning to the left are for things like leaching of nitrates. So colored bars going to the left for the reduction in nitrogen leaching and reductions in heavy metal availability. So biochar can be used to immobilize heavy metals in contaminated soils as well. So these would be negative benefits to soil, so it's good that they're leading to be less than zero. So in other words, that's a positive factor. The paper also identifies several other biochar benefits, so I'd recommend it if you are interested in reading more about that. So let's now move on to having a a look at how biochar can be used beneficially on the farm. Our first recommendation is to use the biochar, use biochar as an animal bedding ingredient, as a way to enhance the value of manure compost. Biochar used initially in animal beddings improves animal health conditions, absorbs the nutrients from the animal bedding and other farm organics going into the bedding, and improves the composting process for the bedding, which increases plant available nutrients, and when amended into farmland, generates a resilient carbon-rich soil, improved plant productivity, moisture retention, and provides disease resistance for plants because of the microbial population in the compost. These photos provided by one of our customers, Ron Steinke of Nuserepta, demonstrates its use in cattle sheds, and an example of a poultry chicken coop on uh, the newly developed and about to be expanded Amigo Carbon Ranch, which is the former Rocky View Hutterite colony. When the bedding is spent, it's composted in the normal way farmers have been composting spent bedding for decades. So Ron Steike uses a large manure spreader. He actually has a larger one now, but this is one in action, to generate the compost pile that are very effective at composting the bedding, especially with the biochar blended into that bedding in, in terms of making that compost pot. There are now a number of examples of using biochar as an ingredient in poultry litters, which have demonstrated the ability to reduce nitrogen losses by absorbing ammonia and improving indoor air conditions for the birds and people. Wood-based biochar performs very well for this absorption of ammonia. A number of authors of papers are referenced demonstrating reductions in losses of nitrogen. Steider et al. Um, of 2010 observed a 64% increase in total nitrogen retention uh, with a uh, 20% by volume biochar addition to the bedding. Another paper, GenZec, in 2017 demonstrated an increase in the amount of biochar going from 5 to 10% by weight into the bedding, reduced ammonia emissions by 30 to 44% respectively. All, all papers demonstrated the importance of uh, the pH, this carbon to nitrogen ratio and the biochar surface chemistry on ammonia absorption capacity. When ammonia is allowed to volatilize from the bedding, the nitrogen content is lost to the atmosphere and the phosphorus is concentrated. This causes an imbalance in the nitrogen-phosphorus ratio when applied as an organic fertilizer and renders Merely renders both remaining nitrogen and phosphorus to leach into groundwaters and rivers and lakes. Biochar can be added to manures after cleaning the barns, but by then it's almost too late to maintain that nitrogen phosphorus balance between because of too much nitrogen's been lost. So the biochar can prevent the nitrogen from being lost if it's used during the bedding process, so while the, while the animals are using it. If you'd like to learn more about this, I would recommend having a read of Cal P. Wilson's website. As Wilson's and Associates website. She's documented the use of biochar in animal bedding quite well and has some great advice for its application.
0: Biochar as livestock bedding was one that had me scratching my head when I heard that. I looked it up and it is definitely a thing. See, the thing is it helps to capture the nitrogen from manure and urine that could turn into nitrous oxide, which is a very powerful greenhouse gas. This actually has me kind of wondering if biochar might be a handy tool for crop producers to use to reduce nitrous oxide emissions from farmland biochar bedding can help reduce that ammonia smell in barns too just in case you're worried that your dairy cows sheep or goats are going to look like they just walked out of a coal mine if you do this you put down the biochar first then you put straw on top of it
1: This paper was actually a turning point for me personally in our journey with Airterra, the company that we have that is now marketing biochar across Canada, but we have it actually made for us, so we're not making it currently, but that's the plan is to make it. It was this paper that got us, put us on the track of realizing how important it is to co-compost biochar with organics. And so it's this, the organic coatings on biochar that occur when you co-compost it is really the important point in this paper. It was authored by Nicholas Hegemann and a number of other very prominent names in the biochar uh, space. Here's the chart that really kind of blew me away. This is a, 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 just a two bar graphs. One of them shows a pristine particle of biochar that has, demonstrates it has no nutrients attached to it. That's the way biochar is coming out of the kiln. It doesn't have any nutrients. You have to provide nutrients, just add nutrients basically is the way biochar comes out of the killer. So this is a co-composted piece of biochar that they actually picked out of a compost pile with biochar co-composted, which shows nitrogen, nitrates having attached itself to the surfaces of that biochar piece. But very interestingly, this is the nitrates that are being extracted in the lab using a, a potassium chloride solution to extract the nitrate. And you can see there's the green bar and then a red bar goes to green, blue, yellow, and red. And all of these are shown on the legend at the bottom. And this demonstrate how many hours of soaking with the uh, potassium chloride was required. So all the green, red, and, and light green, that was a one hour soak. And then uh, going beyond, at a 20 hour soak or a 48 or 96, additional nitrate was being uh, removed from that piece of biochar demonstrating its ability to work like a slow-release kind of fertilizer and to retain and hold on to those nutrients rather than allow them to be leached away when you know we have torrential rains or uh, wet events, etc. in the field. This really highlighted how beneficial it is to co-compost biochar when using it agriculturally. So Don Harfield, my VP of uh, technology and operations for Arterra. And I spoke uh, into the Alberta environment's recent review of its code of practice for composting facilities. And we were able to have the bio- biochar included as an acceptable amendment for all large and small scale composting facilities in Alberta. This newly amended code, for practice, uh, code of practice went into effect earlier in January of this year. We always recommend nutrient charging and microbial inoculation of biochar. That's best done as a co-composting process. This ensures that adequate nutrients have been applied along with the biochar. If it's not done, the biochar can absorb nutrients from an already uh, nutrient deficient soil until it is charged fully, which can cause a short-term nutrient deficiency for plants. It is much better to begin with fully nutrient charged biochar. One way is to just blend biochar to finish compost, but then it takes a little while for those organic coatings to result to appear. And so that can be delayed. That's a better way is to co-compost biochar as an ingredient in the composting process itself. That happens naturally when biochar is used as an ingredient in animal bedding. If animals are not available on the farm, no worries. There's a number of ways of making use of biochar and green manure uh, from cover crops or from cover crop residual or crop residuals to conserve the nutrients associated with these organics as well. It may also be possible to partner with local municipalities to have access to municipal organics to co-compost the biochar.
0: The whole idea behind composting biochar with organic waste is it can help accelerate the process and it helps with retaining nutrients. It accelerates the process by stimulating microbial activity in the compost and it retains nutrients by, well, stealing nutrients since biochar acts as a bit of a sponge in these situations.
1: Based on research conducted at the University of Lethbridge as well by Alberta ranchers and, and researchers. Biochar added to ruminants increases animal health and weight gain, feed-use efficiency, and reduces greenhouse gas emissions from the animals. The nutrient density of the manure compost generated by this practice is further increased, so we're hoping that air ability to generate a low-cost and consistently high-quality biochar product will increase demand for such a product. Biochar used as a feed ingredient, is already seeing widespread use in Europe, and biochar for animal feed is currently limited in the U.S. and Canada. But we know of at least two manufacturers in Canada making this product available for as a feed ingredient. It requires registration with Canada Health, and we know that uh, some of the manufacturers are, have already received that registration. Recent research at the University of Lethbridge by Dr. Carlos Romero and Tim McAllister demonstrate that biochar, as an addition to cattle feed, reduces greenhouse gas emissions from cattle and during the manure composting process.
0: Feeding livestock biochar is another one that had me scratching my head. Then I remembered how activated charcoal has come to my rescue on numerous occasions when my guts were a bit off. Got me wondering if it's something that producers could actually use for calves against scours.
1: So animal feed, very, very much a possibility. But in summary, co-composted biochar is a highly effective and beneficial product for soil amendment. Moreover, to take advantage of all biochar's benefits, it must be microbially inoculated and nutrient charged. Biochar can be used in a series of stacked functions, such as a deodorant, and air quality enhancer in barns, as a sponge to capture volatilizing or dissolved nutrients, and as an enhancement for animal health, in animal bedding and feed, and as a co-composting enhancer. Other trailheads that are listed in this uh, in this slide, which I'll never I would never have time to really cover, but I'm just putting them here out here because each one of these areas, which are already in being employed, could also explore and and benefit from the potential for co-composting with biochar. So that's Korean natural natural farming, farmer managed nat- natural regeneration for the growth of trees. Uh, Johnson Sioux bioreactors, fermentative composting, anaerobic biodigestion, and even using mushroom substrates from poultry litter that has been amended with biochar. So these are all the implications. I'm just uh, trying to outline kind of the implications of how biochar could be, that has been co-composted or used as an animal bedding, could be used in each one of those scenarios. So let's move to having a look at the economics of producing and using biochar in a circular economy on farms.
0: The circular economy comes up a few times in this episode, so just in case it's a new term for you, it's the idea that when we take something from the land or the earth, it needs to make its way back into the earth so it could be use for us and all living things again. Plastic cup, for example, in a landfill, it's not going to cycle back out to be of use again. It's waste. So with the circular economy, we're trying to avoid waste. So let's talk about how this applies to biochar. The parts of trees that aren't destined to become 2 by 4s for example, they would have released carbon dioxide into the atmosphere had they been just left on the ground to decompose. But instead, they're turned into biochar, and we already know the process that creates biochar locks up that carbon from biomass and gives us something that can circulate back into the land. In episode 34, Climate Farm Plan, uh, Darren Qualman of the National Farmers Union actually does a really good job of explaining how when we started to use fossil fuels in agriculture, we broke apart the carbon cycle that agriculture had worked with for thousands of years.
1: First of all, current small-scale production renders it economically difficult for agriculture to use. So large-scale production reduces the cost of biochar and increases its economic feasibility. To do this, we need to internalize the value streams associated with biochar being amended into soil. So every ton of biochar amended into soil will command about three tons of carbon credits. Right now, the carbon credit price on carbon is about $50 a ton, and it's projected to increase to $170 per ton by 2030. At $170 a ton, each ton of biochar amended into soils would be worth about $510 of carbon credits per ton of biochar. So Every 10,000 ton biochar production will produce about as well for the carbon credits, will also co-produce 200 million standard cubic feet of nat- renewable natural gas in the s- processes that we're investigating, and 10,000 tons of high purity CO2 for use possibly in the built environment or for geological sequestration. Our plans are, uh, we desire to work with local farmers on 16 townships radius from each commercial scale a biochar facility. Uh, The feedstocks would come from locally grown wood fiber at about uh, 25 to 50 kilometer radius of each plant. Initially, residual wood would come from the forest industry and municipalities, but uh, a transition to agroforestry would enable sourcing short rotation compass harvested, maybe shelter belts, eco-buffers, or alley crop trees, wood fiber for the biochar plant. Commercial production facilities of 5,000 tons of biochar per year would would enable a, a cost of about $500 per ton of biochar. And one ton of biochar addition per acre results in an increase of soil organic carbon of about 1% at 4 inches of depth. The biochar could be used on farms for animal bedding to absorb moisture and reduce airborne nitrogen and, and methane emissions. Ideally, it would then be used over in the region of about 25 to 50 kilometers radius from the biochar plant. So locally made and locally used and locally sourced product is what we're trying to achieve here, ideally. Co-composted bedding results in a nutrient-dense, microbially-enhanced compost for field application. Field applications of co-composted biochar manure could be used to increase the quality of marginal land. What we're advocating is a virtuous cycle where production of biochar at scale results in a higher deployment and a reduction in price of price to increase its competitiveness in new agricultural markets, resulting in greater demand and the construction of larger future production facilities and so forth. In conclusion, I would like to give you an overview of a biochar production facility that could be constructed at a large enough scale to be economic. Each commercial scale plant would have the following characteristics. It would require about 25,000 tons of wood fiber feedstock. It would generate 5,000 tons of biochar and generate about 200 million standard feet of renewable natural gas, or the equivalent, convert it to hydrogen as well. The conversion process of the syngas to RNG could generate 10,000 tons of CO2, a very pure stream of CO2, and that CO2 could be used or sold to be used in the built environment or sequestered geologically. This would amount to over 20,000 tons of CO2 removed from the atmosphere per commercially operational biochar facility. The production facilities we're envisioning will source feedstock initially from urban and forested industry residuals, because uh, we don't have enough agroforestry going at the moment. But eventually, from purpose grown trees that are possibly coppice harvested from willow plantations, shelter belts, or ecobuffers, or alley crops, and so forth. These residuals would be processed by a biochar kiln that produces a high quality biochar product. Typical biochar production facilities incinerate the syngas that comes off the process. But remember that this represents 70% of the energy content of the original feedstock. So it's not a very efficient thing to do. The biochar production technologies will eventually be capable of converting the syngas into pipeline spec drop-in renewable natural gas that can be delivered to any of Alberta's many natural gas receipt stations, or converted to hydrogen for Alberta's future hydrogen economy. Pyrolysis system we're seeking will separate a high-purity CO2 product That can be captured for sale as an ingredient for building materials or can be sequestered geologically. These additional sales streams represent additional product revenue streams and carbon credits. This is a unique business model in the biochar world and could become the standard globally to maximize carbon dioxide removal potential while generating renewable energy that can be transported in existing pipeline systems. The high-quality biochar is is then used on farms as an animal feed or animal bedding, ingredients that enhance animal health, improve weight gain, and the farmer's composting process and improves efficiency of use of chemical fertilizers used on farmland or for horticulture and industrial site reclamation. Many unique patentable agricultural products will emerge when when commercial, low-cost, high-quality biochar is available in this way. Each of the physical products – biochar, RNG, hydrogen, or CO2 – sales have carbon credits associated with them. And biochar amended into soils is recognized as a carbon dioxide removal technology and commands a premium carbon credit value. Renewable natural gas and hydrogen sale prices are actually commanding a four or five times price premium over uh, fossil natural gas. There are several carbon global carbon market platforms listed on this slide that are now available for the sale of these products. And more significantly, they can be pre-sold on, on a conditional basis to support the financing of future production facilities. The commercial scale and multiple revenue streams of our planned facility reduces biochar costs for our customers. We believe farmers are becoming interested in agroforestry for its climate change adaptation benefits as well as its economic viability. And we're working towards farmers having the option to provide feedstock for trees grown on their own land to in a true circular economy with the biochar facility. To be clear, there is probably no place better situated to model these concepts than Alberta. Alberta is clearly at the intersection of forestry, energy, and agriculture, and represents a unique opportunity to showcase these climate change mitigation adaptation solutions to the rest of the world. So we believe in working towards a profitable soil regeneration solution that uses agroforestry to remove CO2 from our atmosphere and convert harvested wood fiber into highly beneficial soil amendment biochar, in a virtuous cyclical economy with farmers and ranchers. But we don't have all the answers and we seek to work with the agricultural community towards generating uh, healthy soils, clean water, and removing carbon from the atmosphere for healthy plants, nutritious food, and a sustainable planet.
0: Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based initiative empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots runs workshops, farm field days, webinars, and the Regenerative Agriculture Lab, produces a farmer's blog, works with rural communities, develop their own renewable energy projects, and of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The rest of the small but mighty Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is Marie Galanca, Cheyenne Younger, and Kristen Mountain. The podcast is funded by a variety of Alberta-based foundations, and this episode was done in partnership with Young Agrarians. My parts of the episode were recorded in Calgary, so that means they were recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta. And remember, what's good for the climate is good for the farm.